Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. The most stressful opening to a message in the world, right? <laughs> We're so glad that you are here today. Again, for those of you that I haven't met, my name is Danny, and uh, I'm the pastor here today. And uh, we kicked off this series last week called Blank Space, talking about our, our lives, our relationships, and the craziness of our life. But can I just be honest with you for a moment before we like get into everything? Like, since I started working on this series, I cannot get this song out of my head. Blank Space from Taylor Swift. Like, anybody else, like, just for a moment, indulge me. And, right? Like, the whole time I'm working on it, this is all that I hear. I'm like... I gotta get this out of my head. This will not go away. Sure do. I've got a blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. And I'll write your name. I just, I needed to share that with you so you got, look, I love you, but I need you to share in my pain. I need that song to be stuck in your head like it's stuck in mine for the next couple of weeks. But it has been really cool to see uh, the things already that the Lord is doing through this series. And last week, we, we unpacked this big idea, and you'll see it on the screen for our series, and it's this principle of margin. The principle of margin is just because I can do it, buy it, schedule it, it doesn't mean I have to. It's the principle of margin. Just because I can do it, buy it, schedule it, doesn't mean I have to. And, and we saw that when we live our lives without margin, we trade our peace for progress. And then we also looked at a couple of things that happens that when we don't have blank space in our life, a few things happen. And one of the things is that stress rises, right? And I joked about the Apple Watch always telling me I need to breathe because my stress level is up. And it's like, shut up, Apple Watch. Nobody asked you for all that. Our focus narrows. Our focus narrows on that space in our life that has the least amount of margin. Like we can't see anything else but that area. And then the last thing that happens is that our relationships suffer. It just puts this strain on our relationships when our schedules are out of whack. And we, we saw that Moses, when he came down from the mountain, he came down with 10 commandments. And one of the really interesting one of the 10 top 10 rules that God gave this brand new nation of Israel at the time was thou shalt taketh a day off right? Like God said, you must keep the Sabbath holy. You must take a day off. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I like a God who says, take a day off. Like he understood the importance of having that blank space in your life, because God knows that if we're left to our own devices, we will run ourselves at a pace that's catastrophic. If we're left to our own devices, we will run and run and schedule and buy and do to the point that we just cannot maintain any healthy relationships. And the reality is that God sees our lives and he knows the secret to organizing breathing room and blank space in our life. And he shares that with us. So today I want to talk about one of those areas that we have probably the least amount of margin in our life. And that's in our time and our schedules, right? We have such a tight schedule in our lives. And before we look at what God says about it, let's take just like a close your eyes for a second and take a mental field trip to your life currently. 
your current pace of life, how quickly you are going. And, and you and I have this bad habit of cramming as many things into our schedule as possible, right? You can just think about your schedule and open your eyes now before you start panicking or going to sleep, right? So, like, matter of fact, like, this week I did it. We, we had a couple, like, really cool things that were happening, but in order to do those things, we had to cram in all this work in as much as shortest period of time as possible. And I had, like, three and four things a day that were, like, usually spread out across a week and events and major places that I had to be and things that I had to do and traveling and not traveling and getting back and picking people up from the airport. And it just, if like one thing went wrong, like the whole house of cards would come down, right? Like you, have you ever lived your life at that pace? And this week, while it was awesome to be around people and get to do some of these experiences, by the time I hit yesterday evening, I was like, oh my goodness, I laid upside down on the sofa and I was like, I just want to close my eyes. I don't even care how I'm laying. Like, I am so spent right now. And I ran at this pace that is just crazy. For many of us, though, we, we make a habit out of this. Like, this is, that's kind of our life every week, all the time. And you know that you may have a problem when you start saying a couple of things like this on a regular basis. I might be late, but I'll be there, right? I, I might be just a few minutes late. I promise I'll be there. Or I'll be there, but I might have to leave a little early. I might, I might have to get out of there because I got this other thing. I'll be there for a few minutes, and you pop your face, and you're like, see, I'm beautiful. And then you leave, and you're going to the next event as soon as possible, and you're running. Or, or for those of you that have kids, okay, now when is little Susie exactly going on the stage at the recital? Because I don't care about them other kids. I don't want to hear what they're doing. I just need to be there for her, and then I'm out. Like, do you run at that pace in your life? And it just it gets to that point that maybe for some of you, every meal is in the car, right? You're just going from one thing to the next thing, eating in the car. You've got multiple speeding tickets. The clock is your enemy. Like when you look at the clock, it's never like, oh, that's what time it is. It's like, oh, my goodness, what? Why did you slap me in the face with that time? Like it's just pain and anguish every time you look at your schedule. And if we're not careful, that's how we run our lives. At work, you're thinking about home and all the things that you need to do at home. And at home, you're thinking about work and all the things you have to do at work. You're never able to be present because your schedule and your pace is so crammed. You say yes to certain things and you're like, why did I do that? I really don't want to go to that. But I said yes. And it just came out of my mouth before I realized what happened. We just live our lives and we build this habit in our time and our schedules. One of my favorite books in the world is a book called Simplify by Bill Hybels. And it's a book that we've worked through with multiple small groups. It's just been this transformational thing for us. And every time I go through it, I walk away from it going, oh, my goodness, I need to do all these things. And I do it for like a month. And then it gets just right back to the rat race again. And, and I never can stick with it. But listen to these words that he says in the book. And it's, it's so brilliant. He says, a runaway calendar will keep you from simplifying your life. It holds you hostage to tangible things, meetings, appointments, and projects, without giving proper priority to the intangibles, who you are becoming, your relationship with family and friends, your connectedness to God. Without conscious intervention, the pattern of chronically overscheduling ensures that the priorities that you care about the most, listen to that, the priorities that you care about the most will take a backseat to the urgent priorities of everything else. On the screen, you'll see this truth that our schedules determine the people we're becoming. 
don't run past that. Like, let that sink in for a second. Our schedules determine the people we're becoming. Not our intentions, not our plans, not what we want to do, not who we think we should be, not anything else. What shapes who we are is our schedules. That's what ends up determining who we become. Our passage from the Bible today is found in, in Psalm 90. If you want to turn there, pull it up in your phones. Uh, it'll be on the screen as well. And it's actually, you, you think about Psalms and you think it's always David writing them, but it's actually a Psalm by Moses. And he teaches us this valuable lesson about time and our schedules. But why, like, why should we listen to Moses? Like, who, who, why is Moses like this expert on time? And first reason is because Moses lived to be 120 years old. So, like, he had a lot of life in there. And we, we see at the end of his life, the Bible describes him this way. He says, when he was 120, he was 120 when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak and his strength was not gone. It's fascinating. Now, for, the, for some of you who, like, in the restaurant, you're playing trombone trying to read the menu, like, his eyes were not weak. That's impressive. And I don't know about you, but I turned 33 this week, and I sound like a tap dance crew when I'm walking down the stairs, like, pop, 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 pop. And he, his strength was not gone. So Moses did something right, that his eyes were not weak, his strength was not gone, and he's 120 years old. And so there, there's a lot that we can learn from him. And what's really fascinating is that Moses almost lived three different lives. When he was rescued as a baby, he was brought into the Egyptian palace, and he, was an, he became an Egyptian prince. And he lived there for, for a long time. It was, became who he was. And then somewhere in his life, he started to recognize his heritage to these, the, the Israelite people that were in slavery. And he's like, oh, wait, I am one of them. I should care for them. And then he did some crazy stuff that maybe one day we'll look at. And then he had to run away and flee into the desert. And he was in the desert as a shepherd for 40 years. So he did that for 40 years. And then after he was in the desert for 40 years, thinking this is the only thing that's going to happen in life, the Lord meets him in a burning bush in this incredible moment. And God calls him to go back to Egypt to rescue God's people of Israel. So for the next 40 years, he is now the rescuer of people and the leader of millions of, of people as they lead out into the desert again, heading towards the promised land. And he experienced some of the most diverse and challenging aspects of life. So when he writes these verses, there's a lot of life and experience that he has in there. He moved from the palace to obscurity on the backside of the desert, then back to leadership in a completely different capacity. He saw highs and lows. He was rich and poor. But I think what's important for us to understand about when you're reading a Bible story, Moses didn't know what the next chapter of his life was going to be, right? Like, could you imagine doing the same thing every day for 40 years? Wouldn't you think like, this is it? I'm going to be a shepherd on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Moses didn't get to read his story ahead of time. He's going through his life every day he wakes up. And I can imagine for him waking up going, remember when I used to be a prince? Like, you remember when I used to get fed grapes and fanned by people and lived in this beautiful palace? Now I'm a, no one even knows who I am on the backside of this desert. And maybe that's just a word for some of you today that whatever you're walking through and you feel like, oh, this is never going to end. This is forever. I'm stuck in this life or this moment or how this is going to be happening. Just remember, 
God is always working in the background. God is doing things that we don't even understand. And so Moses is here in this moment seeing what, what he comes to the realization of what God did. And so he writes these verses in Psalms 90. And it says this in verse 1. Lord, through all the generations you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. In other words, Moses is saying here, God, you are everlasting to everlasting. Like before there was even this concept of time, you were there. Like before the mountains and before the earth and before the solar system, before the galaxies and the universe, before all of those things, God, you were here. And like our minds can't even wrap I, I can't understand that. I don't even comprehend it. So, like, what is he doing? Just sitting there and what? Like, what? God, what was before there was something? God was there. He was present. He was everlasting. And then, God, you're from everlasting to everlasting. And now the future of our lives and all of eternity, like, God is in that and has seen that and is a part of that. And it's just this incredible thing. God, Moses is saying, God, you are everlasting to everlasting and somewhere in the tiny little speck of time is our life. Even if you just think about the world as we know it, some people believe millions of years older or hundreds of thousands of years older, whatever you believe about how old the earth is, even in that amount of short time in the vastness of God, Moses goes, our lives are just a little speck of time. He goes on and he says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to the dust, you mortals, for you a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. And Moses is being poetic and kind of dramatic here, but he's saying, God, you know when our lives are going to be over. You know when we're going to go from birth to death and turn back into dust again when our, when our bodies are gone. God, you know those things. And in his mind, in God's mind, a few hours is like a thousand years. God doesn't view time the same way that we do. He doesn't get caught about it. So while we're here praying and sweating and hoping in our lives over these 80 years that maybe we have, time passes at a rate that we can't even comprehend for God. But in the midst of that, God is near and present. Moses goes on in verse 10 and he says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. And we're going like, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. What? This seems a little ominous. What is? What are we talking about here? And and this is a, a little bit of a translation thing that, that we have issues with moving from the original language to English. But real, the, the reality is what Moses is saying is if we could see God for who he was, if we could understand who God was, we would give him the reverence he is due. If we could understand the great vastness of this God, and how near he is to us, we would give him reverence. If we can understand how great God truly is and how short our lives really are, we would live our lives differently. We would prioritize our time differently. And then Moses goes on and he gives this beautiful challenge in verse 12. And it's a verse that's worth memorizing. 
when you when you let this sink in and you understand it, it really could shift the way that we approach our lives. He says this in verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number our days, not in the sense of, of guessing how many years we're going to live or spending any time on that, but number our days, meaning prioritize the time that we have, understanding how short our lives really are. When we begin to actually take into account how little the time we have is, a heart of wisdom begins to develop in us. Wisdom begins to come to the surface. Look at this on the screen. Remembering that our time is limited provides us with wisdom on how to spend our limited time. Remembering our time is limited provides us with wisdom on how to spend our limited time. I've been in ministry for for a long time, but a a good chunk of that time, for about six years, I worked in kids' ministry, and I came across this... uh, this resource from a church out of Atlanta, and it's a resource that they built called the Parent Q. And it's actually an app. If you're a parent in the room, I would suggest highly that you download it. It is free. It is amazing. And it's an app that just helps you as you're spiritually trying to form your, your children's lives. It, it gives you resources. It encourages you. It helps you. It gives you scriptures to talk to them about. But it also does this really, really unique thing. You put the age of your child and what grade they're in, and it actually tells you how many weeks you have left with them before they graduate high school. It freaks you out. The first time that I saw Brooklyn's number, I was at a conference for for this, and, and I put her number in, and I just cried. And she was like three at the time. And I was like, what? How, how is it possible that there's only that many weeks and, and the number may seem big, but for me, Brooklyn, for, for Lauren and I, Brooklyn now is, is five years old and it means that we have 627 weeks before she's gone. 627, that's it. It's insane. If you have a, a child who is nine years old, you have 419 weeks before they graduate. If you have a 14-year-old, you have 211 weeks left. It flies by. And, and there, there's some days where that feels like a lot of time. It's like, oh, we've got 600 weeks. Okay, yeah, sure, no problem. But do you remember what you did last week or the week before that? Because I can't remember because how fast the weeks go and how quickly. And what this, this app did for us is, is that it reminds us consistently Our time with our babies is short before they're on their own and starting to make their own decisions in life. Our time is short. So what are we doing to prioritize that? And if you you don't have kids in the room and that isn't the stage of life that you're in, your time is still short. The time that you have left here is short. And this is not meant to be a depressing thing or, or anything that's disheartening. It's just Moses said, number your days Understand that when you number your days, wisdom rises to the top because you recognize some of the things that matter to me right now in this moment probably shouldn't be as high on my priority list because the time that I have, I could spend more valuably. You think about your life and and the things that happen. We have limited, we we live our lives as if nothing is going to change, right? We live our lives as if our parents are going to be here forever. We live our lives as if our family is going to be here 
forever. Like nothing's ever going to change in that time. We, we live our lives like our kids. Like we have time to influence our kids at different points. Right now I'm just trying to keep my head on straight, right? And I understand that. I've lived there. We, we don't recognize the limited time that we have to influence the people that we work with to make an impact because how often do people change jobs? How often do you walk into work and it's like, hey, this is, this is going to be my last week. It's like, what? Where did that come from? We don't recognize how limited our time is. So is the drama that we have with people worth it if we have such a limited time to influence people? Is it worth doing the things that we do or ignoring the phone calls that we want to make if the time that we have is so short? I see Moses' words as a challenge from a guy who saw so many things happen in his life, so many experiences And when we live life as if we have all the time in the world, we miss the most valuable moments life gives us. When we live our lives as if this is just how it's going to be. It's going to be like this every day until I get my new orders or I live my life this way until the next opportunity comes. Or I'm just going to live. This is what every day is going to look like. And we live as if we have all the time in the world. When we don't know. We don't know. We have to value and prioritize our time and our schedule. There's this really interesting Australian author named um, Bronnie Ware. And what she did is she, she spent several years studying people who were in like the last 12 weeks of their life. She would spend time with them having conversations. And her goal was to find out in their life what were some of their greatest regrets. What were some of the things that they enjoyed the most? What were some of the things that they wished they could go back and change and experience? And it's just this quick fast forward in our life to help us who have some more time recognize what is super important. And there were there are five top regrets, but today I just, as we wrap up, I want to give you the top two because I feel like they're so pertinent to, to what we're talking about today. And the, the second highest regret was this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. What was interesting about it is, is that in her study, every single man had this regret. Every single man at the end of their life said, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I hadn't done that. I, I worked so hard that I missed the formative days of my kid's life. I worked so hard that I, I just, I ran past so many things that just at the end, they matter so much more. They chose work over family. They chose progress over relationship. Because if you're wired anything like me, I'm trying to accomplish things. And if I'm not accomplishing things, I'm like, well, why am I here? I'm just a waste of space if I'm not doing something of value, Right? These guys, these, these ladies at the end of their life, the second highest regret they had is I wish I hadn't spent so much time focusing on work. The number one regret, and this is really, really interesting, in the last few weeks of their lives, they said this, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not what others expected of me. Not what others expected of me. How many people let their dreams and their purpose fall to the wayside because of trying to live this life to live up to someone else's expectations or society's expectations or live up to 
different things that that people said that we need to do and and for many of us we we have this mindset that that if i don't do as much as i can then i will never make it well what's it what is your it what is it that you're trying to make it to what are you trying to make we have to check our hearts and and ask ourselves that if if we're running at the pace that we're running to to make it does that it line up with the purpose that God has for our life? Does it line up with who we want to be as people? For some of us, we say, if I don't do as much as I can, I won't be accepted. And I remember, and this is a word for, for teenagers in the room, for young people in the room, we spend so much of our time in our lives. And, and even for us, you know, I said, I just turned 33. There's still periods of time in my life where you just want to be accepted, right? You want to walk into the room and feel like, you know what? Somebody actually likes me. They don't wish I was somewhere else, right? Like you you live for that acceptance at times. But the reality is the people so many times in our life that we want acceptance from, they likely won't be in our life for a very long time. I, I had a, a best friend growing up. Still love him to this day. Like there was never any beef. There was never any fallout. There was never a single issue. But it was a dude that I, my parents were friends with his parents from birth. Like they were pregnant at the same time. So me and this guy were friends from birth. And I did the math one time. It was, it was between our senior year and our first year of college. I saw him every day for over 700 days because we worked together. We went to similar schools. Uh, we our families did stuff together. We went to church. I saw him every day for over 700 years. In the last 14 years of my life, I've talked to him twice. There's no beef. There's no issue. Life just happens. I moved cross country. I moved multiple times in my life and we just lost connection. But this person who in my life and these friends in my life that I would have given anything in the moment to have their acceptance and the end they're they're not there. There are people in my life now that that speak into who I am as a man, as a father, that I didn't even know existed five years ago. We have to be careful that we don't do as much as we can to try to find acceptance. Or for some of us, we say, I, I need to do as much as I can so that I can measure up. Measure up to what? To whose standards? to God's standards, to your own standards, to the, the standards of your parents, the standards of your family, the, the standards of your friend. Who are you trying to please? These people at the end of their life, they said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself. And I would tweak that just a little bit. I, would, I, I wish I had the courage to live the life that I know God has called me to. Are we willing to make changes in our schedule and our lives to be closer to the person that God has called us to be? And this isn't a moment of like finger pointing because as I wrote these words, as I was working through this, I felt ashamed of how easily my schedule can get away from who I want to be as a dad, as a husband, as a man. But the beauty is that God isn't a God of shame. God isn't a God who looks at you and go, good night you messed up again can't you figure this out God is there waiting with open arms to go the moment that you decide 
that you want to make this shift, that you want to change your time. I'm here. I'm for you. Today is not for us to walk away depressed or frustrated or embarrassed or disheartened. It's to take a hard look at our schedules and our time and our life and say, is my schedule leading me to become the person I want to be? Is my schedule leading me closer to who God has called me to be? So today, as we as we wrap up, I wanted to give you one last tool. And you'll find it on your seat. And it's this little card that just says the principle of margin. And I want you guys this week or today, tomorrow, as you start your week, to be able to look at this card and and fill it out for your own life. Because I can't I can't fill it out for you. I can't give you the answers. But the blanks are, are pretty simple. And the principle of margin. The plus sign represents what are the things that you need to add to your schedule? What is that thing that you need to add? I can't answer what the question is. There are valuable things in your life that you need to add that get pushed out to the edges of your time because everything else that seems urgent pushes it out. Maybe it's your time with God. Maybe it's your conversations with family. Maybe it's working out because you you know that when you don't work out, you feel unhealthy and it just puts you in this state of whatever it is that you need to add. The minus sign is obvious. What is it that you need to cut out? What is it that you need to remove from your schedule? And maybe for some of you, can we just be honest? Maybe for some of you, it's not a place. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a group of friends that you know every time that you're with them, They push you further and further away from who you want to be as a person. Even for those of you maybe in the room that you don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet. Like, that's okay. Who are those people in your life that you know negatively impact your life? That every time you walk away, you're a little bit more negative. You're a little bit more frustrated. You come home to your husband and you're a little bit snappier. And it's like, what happened to you? I thought you were hanging out with people that you like. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a schedule. The up arrow just represents what are those those behaviors that you want to increase. Maybe it's just being a, a more encouraging person. Maybe it's it's being someone who speaks positivity into situations and not negativity. What is it that can increase in your life? And then and then the last one, what can decrease? What do you want to do less of? Maybe it's not a schedule thing, but maybe it's the way you think. Maybe you want to look in the mirror and stop saying, you're just not good enough. You should do better. You should be better. Maybe you need to decrease that and start speaking the word of God over your life who says you are wonderfully and beautifully made and I've called you to a purpose. Whatever it is, as we build these things into our life, as we engage with the principle of margin, Understand that God has something specifically planned for your life, planned for your parenthood, planned for every aspect of your life. But we miss it when our schedules crowd him out and push him to the margins instead of adding him to the center of our life. Our challenge today is to allow God to reshape our schedules and focus on those areas and people that matter most. Let's pray together. Jesus, I know 
I know for me, this, this can be one of the most difficult things. My schedule at times, our schedule at times can get to the point where it crowds out the things that we matter and care about most. And God, for every person in this room, I pray that as they are filling out this card, that you would just whisper to them those things that you want them to do, that you would just speak into their lives. God, that they would have the courage to make those decisions. They would have the courage to have those conversations. That God, that we would just begin to create space, this blank space in our time and in our schedules so that we can be aware of what it is that you wanna do in our lives. And God, for some of us simply so that we can spend just a few minutes with you so we could hear your voice, encourage us and speak to us. God, I pray that every one of us, we leave encouraged and excited about the opportunity of, of working on our time and our schedule, God, that, that we don't leave this place disappointed in ourselves because that's not from you. You are not speaking words of disappointment over us right now. You're speaking words of encouragement saying, hey, you can do this if you just trust me with your time. I will bring the things that matter most to the surface. So God, we trust you with our time. We trust you with our schedules. Be with us today. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you care about us and the vastness of who you are from everlasting to everlasting. You're a God who's present enough to care for each and every one of us in this little speck of time and all of eternity that we have here. Help us, God, to use it to the best of our abilities. We love you. In Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.